720 WGN. It is On the Road with Dane, live here high atop Chicago in the uh, Skyline studio and excited to uh, to see uh, a Cats victory. Congratulations to the Wildcats. been a tough season. Good to see him win and win with uh, authority. And we'll keep up uh, some of the good stuff. Got a great show on tap for you today. An eclectic blend of really just motorsports. You know, there's going to be a lot of that where you're going to talk a little good causes and maybe preview some Thanksgiving stuff. Uh, as well as we go forward. So coming up on the show today, we are going to have a little bit after 3 o'clock. Rutledge Wood is going to join us live from Homestead, Miami, side of the NASCAR Championship for the Monster Energy Cup. He's going to talk a little bit about that. Of course, SEMA show, he'll talk about some of the things that he was doing out there. We'll have uh, Fox Sports and NASCAR on Fox's Jamie Little joining us, talking about her new TV show. She'll break down all the action as well uh, on that. And uh, if we've got time, maybe Eileen Ogans, Travel Guru, maybe K1 Speed, Tim, but for sure this is something that uh, is I think near and dear one of the blockbusters was his name, of course, and we gave him that name Blockbuster, the moniker, Blake Stubbs calling us from uh, the recognized uh, entertainment capital of the Midwest, Peoria, Illinois, uh, Blockbuster Blake Stubbs, welcome to WGN. Thank you, as always. Good to chat with you, Dane. Always a pleasure. It's great, right? Okay, so this is where the the cinematic world and sort of the motorsports enthusiast and racing world collide in one place. Last yes. week, got a chance to talk to uh, racing legend Mario Andretti about it, a guy who had won maybe 60 of his 111 uh, races in a Ford, including his uh, Indy 500 win, but also won a bunch of races in Ferrari, including Formula One stuff. And so here, it is one of the great stories, one of the great stories in sports and motorsports and now on the big screen uh matt damon christian bale all that stuff so so your thoughts kind of break it down blake so ford versus ferrari uh this is a film that is directed by james mangold and audiences will know mangold as the director of a few films that i enjoy specifically uh 310 to yuma uh the remake with russell crowe and christian bale so the guy he's used to working with logan uh, and he also directed um, Girl Interrupted. So, you know, three big films, and, and he's got a very good resume. Uh, so for him to tackle this film, um, I always love how Hollywood some of his films feel, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I think he loves making movies. He gets great actors to work with. This particular film is, is no exception. Um, in fact, I think most audiences, and when I say most, I mean I think it sort of transcended uh, age demos with Walk the Line, uh, Walking Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, you know, Academy uh, caliber performances there. You're going to see some excellent acting in Ford versus Ferrari from both Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Uh, Damon playing a uh, famous car designer, uh, racer, uh, car salesman, I guess you could say, <laughs> Carol Shelby. He's sort of a, a renaissance man of the auto industry. Oh, and then Christian Bale um, plays Ken Miles, who is the driver that Shelby uh, revered as, as sort of like a, an evolution of driver. He, he really saw him as the finest driver in the world and fought to make sure he was behind the wheel uh, at Le Mans. So uh, this film is, is sort of how Ford got into the international racing world, um, and they did it with a bang. Uh, at first, it was a little rocky, but once they got going, it, it was uh, they made quite the impression, and their goal was to win Le Mans. But at the same time, there's a lot of character drama in this movie that yeah. I really enjoyed. I, I feel like this movie loved its characters. Well, uh, and so I I could connect with everybody, I think, by the end of it. Okay, so, Blake, now, there are some movies yeah. out there that feature in Highlight Auto Racing that have gone on to have yeah. kind of staying power as cult classics, you know, Days of Thunder, where sure. where maybe it was the, the racing on the track maybe more than some of the, you know, I don't know, less than stellar acting, or people just absolutely loved right. the fun and campiness of it. This one, you've got some great actors in there, Academy Award 
Road winners yes. in uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Is it is is it the racing that makes it? Because it looked at, and I've read some things, some great scenes there. Or is it the acting by those great actors? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, and and I say I want to uh, add an, another credit to James Mangold because he is a he's a good action director. Although if you go through his his uh, resume, it's not all action films. I mean, Logan is one of and the Wolverine are probably two of the biggest action movies that he's been behind the wheel of. Uh, to use a to bit of a pun there, but in this in the case of this film, um, as a guy who I've mentioned works with great actors, he also pays very strong attention to helping to build tension within the sequences in this movie, specifically when they're behind the wheel of a car. Now, this movie isn't all just racing at Le Mans. I mean, this is racing uh, on, on U.S. soil. Uh, they race in France one other time. So, like, you get to see multiple races. Um, the evolution of the cars that they're driving are a bit different. I mean, the Shelby Cobra is featured in the film. I know there's a lot of car enthusiasts that love that car. I'm nice. one of them. Yep. Um, but at the same time, the cars that are designed... They, they're kind of in a, a unique era, in my opinion, of how race cars were built. And, and they don't all look like this anymore. And you actually get to see a, a sort of a, an assortment of design styles, especially once they get to the, the big, I would call it the third act race, which is Le Mans. And you see uh, some, some high, intense, uh, high intensity style uh, action built around these incredibly fast machines. And what the movie, I think, does the best and I think race fans and maybe even drivers, I'd be, I'd be curious to see what they have to say about this. But I think that the fragility of some of these cars, you know what I mean? Like the engineering that goes behind them and, and what it takes to make them not only reach top speed, but also endure the long and, and, and very like um, gritty you know, uh, roads that they have to drive at the same time at such high speeds for long periods of time, they can fall apart. They can have malfunctions. They can have all these issues. And at the speeds that these drivers race, they can die. So, like, the, yep. the intensity that you you build just off of the subtlety, I think, of that, of talking about, like, how hard it is to design these cars, the film pays very good attention to that. So the stakes weren't simply, is Ken Miles a better driver? It was, <laughs> is the car going to hang on? Is the and I think that, that that sort of adds another character element to the film, not just actors and not just cool action in terms of racing, but... There's so much that's going through the audience's head uh, as you're watching the race sequences. So is this a well-acted film? Very much so. But is this also a film that I think builds its stakes effectively? I, I think that's a big reason why myself uh, and a lot of other critics are very high on this film right now. Well, and I will have links up at WGNRadio.com in about the 28 seconds that we have left for the listeners. Because this is one of the more, it's a famous story for race fans and motorsports enthusiasts. Yes. But did, was is there enough education there? And you only have about like 20 seconds here where even if you're not a racing fan or expert, you can go and you can enjoy it. I think so, absolutely. As a person who respects the racing world but doesn't know a whole lot specifically about the 60s uh, era of racing, this film like put a whole lot in front of me, and I feel like all I want to do is learn more. Nice. So there you go. Nice, nice. And Blake, give out that social media in the next eight seconds so that uh, people can follow right. you and continue the conversation. 
You can find me on Twitter at Blake Stubbs. And if you're talking to me right now on there, we're talking about the Mandalorian probably for the most part. <laughs> so uh, looking forward to chatting with people. All Thank right. You. Yeah. Thanks, Blake. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Wow. And that's something we'll have to talk with him about uh, in the upcoming side is Disney Plus, all that. I know that we're going to have extended conversations when we get uh, closer to the holidays. We'll be doing a lot of non on the road shows that we'll be doing uh, as well. Coming up right after the news, we're going to have Rutledge Wood. You know him from NBC on NASCAR. You know him from Top Gear. You know him from all the things that he does in the motorsports world, plus uh, Southern and Hungary on uh, on the Cooking Channel. So he's going to join us live from Miami Homestead to break down the championship of NASCAR that's happening. We'll talk about some other things, too. So keep it here uh, after the news on the road, 720 WGN. Hi, this is Rutledge Wood from NASCAR on NBC, and you're listening to On the Road with Dane on WGN. Seven twenty WGN on the road with Dane High atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio and on the line with us now the man who brings so much of the fun into the food on cooking channels Southern and Hungary and of course the fun into the fast that is NASCAR and NBC as we get into Championship Weekend a Renaissance man of racing and the road the one and only. Rutledge Wood, welcome to WGN. Oh, thanks, brother. Great to be back with you. Yeah, these are, as as we say in the business, exciting times. You know, there's a lot going on. Oh, there totally is. You know, we just we just wrapped up SEMA, and, uh, you know, this weekend in Miami, we're crowning uh, champions in Xfinity and the Cup Series, so... There's a ton going on, man. It's it's uh, it's exciting down here for sure. Well, before we get into uh, into the whole NASCAR Cup Series championship that is shaping up to be as exciting as as it has been, I think it's one of those things. It's almost like a guaranteed thing now, and I'm not sure how they did the algorithms or the R and D or scientists in lab coats, but they have that that thing figured out, and everyone is on the edge of their seats. But when it comes to SEMA, you're such a big part of all of the action there. Not only as as an enthusiast and a fan, which you are, but also a participant. And so talk a little bit about, I saw this, you know, and as we have kind of got into kind of um, a resurgence of different makes and models that come back, kind of like movies, right? When they make a, a remake of a movie and it gets to be just as big, but the Toyota Supra, big, right? It's coming back. Oh, gigantic. And, uh, you know, what was so cool about SEMA this year is I've been um, hosting the kind of PR kickoff for Toyota for, I think this is my seventh year. And... Every year, I'm always hoping, oh, is, it, is the Supra coming back this year? Do you finally do it? Well, oh the 2020 GR Supra came out from Toyota, and there were tons of them at SEMA. And I was so lucky. I actually had to build one, Dane, uh, with my friend Ed Laukas from Toyota. We kind of did a build-off against each other. So we each took a new Supra and kind of went crazy with it. I did a 20-piece a custom body kit, carbon fiber roof. Boost Logic is a company down in Austin that cranked the power up to 750 horsepower. <laughs> we did these. Uh, it's like a, a TRD Pro cement gray was the color. We did yeah. red wheels from Lightspeed. And just we tried to make it as kind of crazy as we could. I fit a 335 wide Continental tire on the back, which is like a Corvette ZR1 fitment. So pretty awesome. You can jam that much tire back there. But Ed did this really cool Heritage Edition where he kind of took a lot of the things from the Mark IV Super that we all love so much and really, really just brought it to the forefront. So, you know, I love when companies like that know how much the enthusiasts love these cars. Because you and I know, you know, the Supra doesn't have the same kind of margins that, that a Corolla or a Camry. They're not going to be able to make the, the volume and the numbers. They make those cars because we beg them to make cool cars that are fun to drive. Right. And the new Supra is just that. 
Now, do you know, of course, you guys made some, we'll have pictures up at WGNRadio.com, some amazing kind of beautiful examples of what can be done. Because you see on social media and some of the drivers and, and just other people getting excited about them and ordering them from the factory. If the demand is there, are they going to make it where it will be like pretty widely available for people all over? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you launch a new car like that, it takes a little while for, for the dealers to catch up. And, and honestly, they're selling them as quick as they're making them. So, uh, but the cool thing is it's just such a fun car. I got to take one of the NASCAR pace cars that, that use a Supra out at Watkins Glen, and I got to take it around the track there, and it was unbelievable. Like, what a fun car. Great track. So, yeah, hopefully people keep keep digging in and, and loving them. I, I was also really lucky, and you know, I, I always like to build weird things. I built a crazy wide-body Porsche 911 <laughs> out of an 86 Carrera, and it was there at the Continental Tire booth, and, and people got to see it, but it has a 525-horse GM Performance crate motor from Summit Racing in the back, so it's a fun car that can really make a lot of Porsche people angry because they think I destroyed it, and then hot rod people are like, oh, you turned a Porsche into a hot rod. <laughs> oh, but it's, I mean, that was a passion project, too. It's one thing in that great association and excitement you have and have had for, for Toyota is legendary, but the, the passion project, and you have kept listeners, viewers, fans, social media enthusiasts up to speed with that the entire time, the RWB uh, Porsche 911, the green one, right, where you swapped out the LS oh, motor yeah. for it. And to finally see, and, you know, before we get to the other stuff, take a couple seconds because it has been, you know, trials and tribulations to get it exactly the way that you needed it that your partners needed it and to have it shine at SEMA was pretty cool it was unbelievable you know I, I tried taking on the hot rod power tour last year and I made it about 45 minutes into the journey before I overheated it and realized I could not risk hurting this thing I said so we got to go work on it we added a few more radiators because we took an air-cooled car and made it water-cooled and and certainly there's going to be some hurdles there but this is one of those cars that I, I just dreamed about owning one one day and, and being able to to put it together and have so many friends come and help me with it. And now, like, there's going to be a kid who has a poster of that car on their wall, just like I had a poster of one when I was growing up. And to me, that's just the craziest part of, of getting to do the stuff that we love. And uh, I, I just couldn't be more excited and proud that so many people came together to help me make that happen it was really neat yeah one of the all-time one of the all-time great cars and there are so many people i'm sure listening right now that maybe have one half built in their garage somewhere hopefully you're the wind beneath their wings to kind of get out there <laughs> and, and actually make it happen when it comes to making it happen nascar has done this over the course of the last few years kind of changing up the playoff the chase scenarios and trying to do you know everything they can to provide viewers and fans with an exciting finish where you don't have have kind of at a foregone conclusion with 10 races left who's going to end up winning and i don't know that they could have lucked out a- anymore it's a testament i think to the talent of the drivers there where you know kyle bush and kevin harvick martin truex they have been there and swapping out sort of whoever happens to kind of have an amazing year great drivers all around like joey logano last year denny hamlin this year how exciting is it because it is it is actually like great 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 entertainment i mean as much happens through the year it's a long season but it's coming down to this weekend it really is, and I, I honestly, I love it. I, I know there were a few people when they started this new championship kind of format and how it was going to work. Some people are like, I don't know if this makes sense. Or people, well, here's what's crazy. Is you spend an entire year, you know, building, and everything comes down to one moment, a three-and-a-half-hour race on Sunday on NBC where we're going to find out who the very best team is. And, and the cool thing is we've seen year after year the team that, that really ends up winning the championship almost always ends up winning the race too. And I think that's such a cool, it's such a cool right. thing, you know, but when you can see someone like Denny Hamlin have the drive of his life that he had last weekend, or, 
you know, Chase Elliott this year at the Roval, seeing what kind of a triumph that was to, to come back from leading the race, stick it in the tire barrier in turn one, and then come back and win and pass every single car. Like, that stuff just, it's crazy. And I think that's what we've seen with this championship. It just elevated every team and made them work harder and harder. And I think we're going to have an insane battle. I do think it's crazy to think about that Kevin Harvick is up against three teammates. And some people think, oh, that's, you know, Harvick's got three other teammates that could help keep those guys out of there. They're not going to be anywhere near them. I'm just going to tell you, those four cars are still going to be the four best cars out there on the track because that's what they've done consistently all year. I think it would be more awkward to think, like, if one of the Gibbs guys wins, it means two of his teammates did not win in that moment. <laughs> yes. Right? And to me, like, that's way, way harder and, and weirder than, than the other situation. And for anybody out there that thinks that there is, that there, and there is a team element, obviously, of course, and they work together and all those kind of things. But if you, if you, anybody who watched the Daytona 500, uh, and Kyle Bush and Denny Hamlin, you understand that it isn't, it isn't like, yay, he won. You know, there isn't any of that. Everybody's out there trying no. to do. <laughs> everything that they can to win now here's the thing too is you have three of the biggest personalities in the sport i thought it was great i think this year we we went leaps and bounds trying to what we had lamented over the last couple of years is like you know with so many great and big personalities stepping away from the sport in recent years who's going to come up and be those those faces right of of the sport and i think we saw that with like chase elliott and we saw we saw a bunch of people kind of rise to the forefront but we also have the biggest established personalities there they are so different right it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see who wins like do you have you know i think it's great entertainment no matter who wins but do you have an idea anybody that you think you maybe has an edge so it's, it's funny I, I think when i look at these drivers I, I see i see each of them have sort of their own strength which is really unique to them personally i think harvick is in this place where he has been a champion in the past few years and knows what it takes and he knows he can absolutely get it done that team is incredible Kevin is is one of the best drivers in the sport. And, you know, my buddy Kyle Petty pointed out, he may not get that many more chances where he is age-wise and his interest in, in continuing the sport to to have that shot. So, you know, I think he's going to drive like that. And I think that's really cool. You've got a, a guy like Martin Truex Jr. who, you know, again, champion 17, knows how good that feels, definitely wants that again, and has had a great year. You know, moving over to Gibbs and Furniture Row shutting down. You know, and, and he's in one of those places where I kind of got nothing to lose. Like, yep. I think that's a great thing for him. Kyle Busch has had an, a, a so-so season. They've been great, but they haven't been wonderful. And, you know, to not win at all and to think he, he was the only one that got his way in there in points and he could go out and kick everybody's butt and win as the champion. You know, when we look back to 15 when he won and he got hurt at Daytona in the Fanny Series, comes back with a waiver wins, races his way, and everything else, and then wins a championship, this year looks totally different, right? Like, it's a completely different vibe, everything. But he could still be the champion, and that's what's so cool about this format. And then you've got Denny Hamlin, who has (laughs) never looked better on the track, never been more confident and more focused. And, you know, I saw this year we went and did a, a Racing Roots show, Kyle Petty and I did, with Denny about, you know, going to his hometown and finding out what he's all about and where he's from. And and you see that this is that year when you see, like, he's that same kid that got a shot because someone believed in him, and look how far he's taken it. And I think he's going to really harness that. So, to me, I see four totally different approaches, unique approaches. But honestly, 
each one of these guys and these teams has a shot yeah. at this championship. And I love that. I, I love that notion because when we were talking with Dale Jarrett, who won in 99, right, 20 years ago we were talking about yesterday, they knew at the second-to-last race that he had already locked up the championship. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I get that that works for a lot of other series, but imagine, like, you couldn't crown the winner of the Super Bowl two games before that, right? Like, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> While you're still the playing Bowl, the games, right? You know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're playing, exactly. we're going to play the Super Bowl. But... <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, the Super Bowl it is, is about people that sacrifice and push and do all this stuff to get to that moment. And you've got to deliver right there. It doesn't matter what you did before. And I think that's what is so cool about this NASCAR championship. It doesn't matter what he did all season. If Kyle Busch didn't win a single race, guess what? He's got the same shot at that title that Denny, who won six this year, did. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you're looking at anyone, regardless if, if people are obviously pulling for individual drivers, they're going to have their favorites. But as a fan, as a broadcaster, you, of course, on site from just a general 10,000 foot entertainment value, like it is a no lose deal. This is going to be exciting. And every single one of those people, those drivers has, has a case to be made that why they should win it. I think it's tough to, it's tough to handicap. It is going to be, it is going to be exciting. We're all going to be riveted and watching on Sunday NBC to see exactly what happens because here's the other thing too is these guys are ruthless like this is this is as big as it gets and 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 you went through and explained why for all of them and and they're going to put it all on the line they're going to do everything it is it's so great to see it's kind of like baseball where you know like playoff baseball world series baseball every single pitch matters and this race is going to be one of those uh, on sunday on nbc before we let you go i did want to get your thoughts on this for the first time in uh, i don't know if it's like 50 years uh, abc wasn't doing the broadcast for the Indianapolis 500 and one of the most iconic uh, sports venues out there in the world. NBC, you guys knocked it out of the park. One of the most important races, sporting events in general. And you guys did such a great job to see another change happen for the first time, I think in 70 years where it has changed hands. Not only that, but the series, which is again, I think NBC is a big part of everything that happens there too. Your thoughts, you know, as, as a fan and an enthusiast of, of racing in general and its milestones in land, Marks, what do you think? I, you know, I think for for Roger Penske to walk into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway at 14 years old and have that experience have such a lasting impact on him that it has been, you know, his life's work to be a businessman so that he could be there, be a part of it, and now be the person that owns it. Um, and, and knowing that, you know, he, he's a smart man. He knows that his time is limited and he may not be here for, you know, another 40 years, but he's going to be here and enjoy every moment that he can. And knowing that that he's going to preserve that legacy and what that means. And, and the first day the news broke, someone said, well, would you be cool with Rick Hendrick if he owned NASCAR? And I thought about it for about 10 seconds. So I went, yeah, actually, I totally would. That would be fine with me because <laughs> they still, you guess what? Penske, whether he owned the series or not, he still wants to beat every single person there. And he also understands what is fair and what's right. And so he's not going to, it's not like his teams are going to be the only teams that win or, or succeed in that sport or anything else. He wants everybody to do well. And he just wants to continue to move it up and up to be there last year for NBC and to be with my buddy Dale and her junior and to get to see that in person and know that I get to go back next year is amazing. I, I loved it. What an unbelievable opportunity to see this one section of life and to see that how that track has influenced cars and transportation, everything else that we know about motorsports in this country. If you know nothing about cars, going to the Indianapolis 500 is 
unlike any experience ever. The fact that they have the snake pit where there's an entire like show going on and you never know the race is happening or to see, you know, to see 400,000 people show up on a single day in Indianapolis to watch those cars go around. It just, to me, there's just no cooler experience in motorsports, you know? So I, I think NBC did an amazing job with it. They did it the, the reason they did that good job is every camera person, every audio person, every producer, they love that sport and they love that event. And I, and that really shows there, there was, I was talking to a camera guy last night who just said, you know, I said, what's your absolute favorite race? He's like, hands down Indy 500. <laughs> and this is a guy who's been working in the sport for 25 years. He said, there's just, no, there's just no other place like it. It's the greatest event in the world for cars. And I, I totally agree. I think NBC does a, such a great job with that, and I'm I'm just so proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 exciting stuff. And you have been. You talk about it, if you don't even know anything about auto racing, you got to go. You got to appreciate. You've been an ambassador for so many bucket list moments with the the Kentucky Derby as well. You don't have to be a horse racing fan to to know that that's an important thing to check out once in your life. And excited to see how um, how Penske and and all that situation kind of translates into maybe a different or maybe elevated experience for the Brickyard Four. It's going to be some exciting times as it will be on Sunday as well as we crown a champion for the Monster Energy Cup series right there on NBC. And and we're going to let you get back to it. I know there's tons of planning leading up to it. Excited to see what it is you're going to be doing and wearing, right? And who you're going to be talking to. Yeah. And uh, social media, where can people keep up with you? It's at Rutledge Wood for all my stuff. R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E-W-O-O-D. Dane, thanks for having me as always, brother. Yeah, talk to you soon. Hey, this is Jamie Little from NASCAR on Fox, and you're on the road with Dane on WGN. 720 WGN on the road with Dane. Hi, atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and on the line with us. Now we've got someone who's born in California, went to college in San Diego, a long time living in Vegas, and now a card-carrying and cold member of the Midwest from uh, one of our favorite family road trip destinations, Indiana. It's uh, FS1 and NASCAR on Fox's very own Jamie Little. Welcome to WGN. Thank you so much. It's been a while. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, well, the last time I, I, I think the, maybe the last time we talked certainly in person was Daytona. Looking forward to that as uh, you're kind of like, a, they always say like a, like a golf outing, right? As soon as it's over, they get back to working on it again. And I'm sure the team is, yeah. is, is deep into all that will be a great uh, Daytona 500 coming up in February for the team. So, and you're going to be a big part of that and excited about it. But one of the things, and we'll get to all the stuff coming up and your thoughts on uh, Championship Week. Who's going to come away with the Monster Energy Cup Series Championship? We'll get into that. But I wanted to, to mention a lot of the listeners may not know that you're one of the top canine correspondents in the business, calling some of the biggest events in, in dog sports like the Westminster, a great advocate for dogs. And now you're taking it to another level with uh, your new show on Andy America's Top Dog. Megan had mentioned this, so I'm not sure if we're, I want to say let the cat out of the bag, but talk a little bit about it. This is a cool <laughs> new show coming up. It really is. I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, it's such a great opportunity. You know, when you're a motorsports reporter, there's just so much racing and it consumes your life. You don't have time to really look at anything outside of motorsports and racing. So, you know, with Fox, it's great because I work every weekend for the first half of the year. Then the second half of the year, my schedule opens up a little bit. So this opportunity came about um, with A&E and the show called America's Top Dog, as you mentioned. There's a lot of fans out there of live PD. It's 
like one of the most amazing, crazy shows. It's on Annie yeah. um, on Friday and Saturday nights. And it's literally police departments. They're just riding along with cameras and they're showing you what's going on in real time. So that's been a big show. Well, the producers thought, you know what? Looking at our shows, some of the, the most highly rated shows involve the canines that are actually out there in pursuit and working with their fellow officers. So they thought, let's come up with a show about the canines. So what they did, they created basically an American Ninja Warrior style course. So it's everything that these dogs go through in the line of work, you know, whether it's crawling through duct work or it's taking down the bad guy or it's going through water, jumping walls. So they have all of these obstacles built in and they invited police officers with their fellow canine companions to compete against each other for America's Top Dog. And it's an 11 series um, show. And um, we are so excited about it. We actually shot it in the middle of the summertime out in LA. So it will uh, begin airing, I believe, the beginning of January on A&E. So it's really fun, totally family-friendly, and you're going to see this bond between canine and handler like you've never seen it before. Yeah, well, okay, so y- you see them out in the in the world, you know, the you see the well, it's police cars that says canine on it, or you see them walking around sometimes. In fact, for Veterans Day, you know, I know it's not necessarily the police situation, but we had some of those dogs kind of in studio and they were around, and you want to you go ahead and pet them, but what you realize is that they are kind of finely tuned machines, athletes, if you will, and super trained. And so was that part of it was not only is it popular, obviously you got to make entertaining television, but really gives, I think, viewers another insight into just kind of what a what a special animal and, and that bond, right, that they have there. Absolutely. And yes, these dogs, they are trained just like humans. They know how to go into dangerous situations. They're helping take down the bad guys, keep the streets safe. But a lot of these dogs, and you'll see in the show, You can pet them. They're sweet. They have this other side. When they're at home, they're a pet. They're another member of the family, and they interact with other dogs and the kids. Like, there's one dog you'll see on the show, unbelievable. His name's Mattis. And he literally, the little girl, their daughter, I think, is uh, three or four. She has, like, she dresses them up in dresses and tutus and (laughs) has tea parties with them. But this dog has taken down countless people, uh, found, like, over a million dollars in drugs. So you see all these stories. And, you know, with I think with the national spotlight being on canines, you know, in many different ways, but lately for, um, you know, the whole deal that happened that Trump talked about, this dog was was injured in the line of duty, but taking down one of the top threats to our country. So a lot of people are really interested in these canines, what they do, what their training is like. So this show is going to show you a lot of what that's what that's all about and what these dogs do for a living and what they're like when they're not working on the clock. It's kind of cool to see that whole other side. You mentioned, too, it's across, you know, all the headlines everywhere, just that they're out there working, whether it's on the front line against, you know, terrorism and ISIS in the Middle East or in our communities all around the country as well. For the listeners, like, like let us know, you know, as a sports broadcaster, and you've done every kind of motorsport out there at the highest level and all that, but, you know, there's different things that a, that a network will cover. And they're like, okay, you'd be great for this, whether you have a connection or not. But you really do have mm-hmm. a connection on the dog side, not only experience, but also this is something you're passionate about. It really is. This is like a dream come true show for me because I am a huge dog advocate. If anybody follows me on social media, you see that I get back to shelters. That's that's my thing is saving animals, saving dogs. And um, I do a thing called Shelter Surprise. So I'll go to NASCAR communities when we're there for the race weekend and I think I did eight this year and I go to the local shelter and I get everything on their wish list and then I make a donation in the form of a big check to them and um, just surprise them I just show up and give them these things and then I highlight some of the dogs that are actually waiting for adoption 
And it has gone so well. I get some fun partners that come on board. NutraChomps did this year. And um, we just get back to the communities and raise awareness for, hey, just so you guys know, this shelter is right here in, you know, the Bristol area or Dover area. We've done them all over the place. So that's been really fun. I have four dogs of my own, and I am just enthralled with them. And I love learning about the whole canine community and the training that goes into it and um, it's just, it's been eye-opening and just literally, like I said, a dream come true. Well, you're in one of the places now with, uh, it, it's great, the work that you've done and wherever you go, like you said, when you travel around the country, of course, NASCAR travels from coast to coast, you're out there supporting things, but it is a family situation and moving into what is a cold, <laughs> we had one of the coldest winters <laughs> last year, and of course, it's getting cold now. Are the dogs, are they transitioning or are they, are they holding, you know, maybe some resentments against you, Jamie? Well, it depends on uh, which one you talk to. <laughs> I've got an old man who's deaf and blind. I think he's probably 15 or 16. He's a chihuahua. Does not like it. He just starts whimpering as, as soon as he touches the snow. We got about three inches of snow at our house this week. Yeah. So he doesn't like it. But then I've got a big golden retriever with long fur, and she just stands out in it with the kids throwing snowballs. She just gets covered, loves it, chases the ball in the snow. So, yeah, I think they do like it, just like us. I mean, I love the snow. I don't like as cold as it gets here and for how long. But the seasons is just something I haven't had being in Las Vegas for so many years and, of course, being in California, too. So it's really nice. And I'm telling you, the Midwest people, it does not get better. People are so kind here. Yeah. You always hear that, who's your hospitality. It's a real thing. It is. It, it, it is. It is one of those things that keeps people here so it's not it's not deserted here in, in the wintertime. But you're always there. You mentioned NASCAR and also shining the light on some great things, great causes. Uh, and now the light is shining on uh, the potential championships we wanted to ask you although you've got other things that you're doing through this part of the season i'm sure you're still paying attention and obviously those great programs on uh, fs1 and fox of course kind of breaking down all the action so as we get here it's it's really shaping up to be yet another absolutely 100 percent exciting finish uh you've got you know some of the greatest personalities in in the sport nowadays and all of them i think can make a great case uh, to win the championship I totally agree. I'm so excited for Sunday. I'm so jealous that I, I don't get to be down there this weekend, but it is fun to sit and watch as a fan every once in a while. And of course, you know, this, even though I'm not covering it every weekend, I definitely pay attention, constantly looking and seeing what people are saying and what's going on. And actually last weekend I was at a Toyota Motorsports Day and all the drivers were there and it was right before Phoenix weekend. So I got to sit down the three who are still in contention. You have Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch and did an interview with all three of them at one time. And that doesn't happen so often where you get them all together and talking about their chances and talking about how coach deals with having multiple cars in this situation where not only are they trying to make it to Homestead, but once you guys do to have more than one car at all, how does he deal with it? And how do you guys deal with it? And they were very forthcoming. I thought it was really fun and, and insightful the way that they talk and converse. It's like those three drivers could not be more different. First off, (laughs) one thing and only thing they really have in common is the love for racing and the desire to win a championship in Homestead. But it was really interesting. You could tell they have a lot of mutual respect. You can tell that their job from Coach Gibbs is to finish in victory lane, whoever it may be, just make sure that whatever happens, you guys, one of you ends up in victory lane, however it takes to get there. And you guys need to work together throughout the weekend. If you need to share notes and look at notes, we're going to do that. And that's what the drivers said. So I think they're really looking at it now as a benefit to them to have three of them in the championship hunt that 
Um, I think it was Kyle actually said that a few years back when Carl Edwards was his teammate, he actually relied on him and looked at his notes and um, knew whether the car was going to be good or bad based on that. And uh, he said, I learned a lesson then. You need to work together. You need to share notes. If we're going to win this thing, one of us, we need to be our best and help each other. Yeah, odds are, just the odds, are that one of them probably will. You know, you're just looking just the amount of people in there. But you know once that green flag drops, is as much as they'll share notes, you know, in and around, it's it's just such a big thing for each each one of them individually to, to either, you know, further establish their career, to kind of cement maybe a little bit of history, you know, to kind of really cap off, at least for Denny Hamlin, what has been a really amazing season. You just know, and these guys are, knowing their personalities as you do uh, intimately, that these guys are each, you know, fierce competitors. And so when it comes down to it, it's great to be on a team. I think it will make them all better, but they're going to go for it for sure. Absolutely. And they'll also be sure not to uh, do something stupid that takes the other one out, because I don't think that would go too well. But they are. They are fiercely competitive. And um, I mean, I can't believe out of four cars going for the championship, three are Joe Gibbs racing Toyotas. That's pretty amazing in itself. But you can't count out Kevin Harvick and Ford and all the resources they have behind him trying to get it done. And Kevin was a great champion for us four years ago already, I believe, five years ago. So it would be great to see him do it again. But, you know, looking at the wins record this year, I would say Truex has probably been the most consistent from start to finish. Denny has really come on strong lately. Um, I think just looking at it from a reporter standpoint, I love the story of the underdog going for the person who maybe everybody's not pulling for or isn't the favorite. And I would say Denny Hamlin, yeah. only that he is the, the only guy of the four who's never won the championship. And I think maybe he's due. Yeah, he said underdog there. So there's another canine pun that was kind of built into the thing. I'm sure it was not. <laughs> I'm sure it was not intended. But you mentioned it too, Jamie. Let the listeners know we're talking with NASCAR on Fox's Jamie Little, and uh, to be able to watch it as a spectator. If you don't have somebody that you're really, really tight with and pulling for, it's just a pleasure to look at this thing. It's going to be great entertainment, no matter who wins. And so we'll be excited to see that coming up on uh, on Sunday. I wanted to mention something else too. And of course, we cover a lot of the food stuff here at WG and radio nationally and restaurant radio america and all that kind of stuff and you think of the traditions of let's say indianapolis with the milk right and maybe there should be a food related tradition built into homestead in miami or maybe daytona then i think you could have some pull there that the, the winner should celebrate with cake and not just any kind of cake but maybe a nothing but cake <laughs> right? so how does this happen i know you guys have to do stuff and who doesn't love cake but i told my wife i'm like jamie's got a new cake place it's one of those nothing but cake she's like i love that place people are excited Yes, that is the reaction we always get. You know, that franchise started in Las Vegas about 21 years ago. So when we were moving back to Indy, we knew we couldn't open another Jimmy John's franchise because we have two in Vegas and there's just so many around here in the Midwest. That's where it started with Champaign, Illinois, actually. But we thought, you know, what else could we do? Well, there wasn't a nothing bunk cakes yet when we started looking. And it has been a huge success here. We've been open about a year. You guys have multiple around the Chicago area that do really well. But it's just a happy business. People love it. The um, product itself is so consistent. And um, it brightens people's days. You know, we help people celebrate. 
So like like you just said, I really like that idea. Climb out of the car, get a, a cake to the face. Like let's share, let's drink some beer and eat some cake. I, don't, I mean, well, we can work on like the moving parts of the of the presentation of the cake. Maybe not swish it in the face, but for the for the listeners that are you know love cake, who doesn't, right? But maybe think of well, what's the difference between a traditional bakery and kind of things that you can do with it because it's perfect for. We gave our producer uh, a bunch of stuff from Nothing But Cake when it was her birthday not too long ago. Ashley here. So describe kind of what makes it kind of special and unique nothing bunk cakes yeah well it's funny people that you know kind of grew up with bunk cakes this is not your traditional bunk cake it is the best cake you've ever had i'm not a huge sweet fan and these cakes are unbelievable and we have 10 flavors at all times and one of those is rotating like seasonal but we decorate them we have deco kits from anything from like this tom turkey guy for thanksgiving we have christmas birthdays Sympathy. I mean, boy, girl, like we have everything. If you go online, you'll see all the cool decor. And that's my favorite part of the job is actually doing the deco kits for the cakes because, you know, it's all about the details and the quality of Nothing But Cakes is is beyond anything that you've seen in bakeries before. So the cake is great. And then all these fun things you can do with it. And you can get a buntlet that goes with a cup, like sits on top and we wrap it up for you and all kinds of little fun things you can give for gifts. And also we have a lot of retail. So it's really fun to get to order all these different little gifts, nice gifts that you can include with cake for um, any kind of occasion. Well, after Sunday, one driver will uh, will be a candidate for a championship-related cake. The other three, of course, will be in line for the sympathy cake. And we'll have links up at, uh, at WG- <laughs> <I like it. laughs> WGNRadio.com. And for the people who want to follow you on social media, of course, I'm sure you'll be watching, as all of us will, on Sunday to see who comes away with the championship. Where can people follow all your adventures? And, of course, tuning in for the new show on A&E. Yes, absolutely. Um, at Janie Little TV on Instagram and Twitter. I'm pretty active on there, so I like uh, hearing what people have to say. And any questions, throw them my way. I'll try to answer them. And um, I'll be watching on Sunday. I can't wait to see how it all goes down. That track is, like you said, it's just, it's always entertaining. It's a great race. And we've seen how many times now where the actual winner of the race wins the championship. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun and to know that that's not going to be the finale any longer. So um, we'll be back at Homestead in March and it'll be on our air, NASCAR on Fox. Wow, it's going to be exciting stuff. We'll all be there watching, of course, paying attention to all the cool stuff going on in the world of Jamie Little. Let you get back to it. And uh, thanks for jumping on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's always fun to chat.